Welcome back to Distinct Nostalgia by MIM. Brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. Staying well, staying home. It was 21 years ago this month that the hilarious Brit flick East is East appeared in cinemas across the UK and around the world. And to celebrate its birthday, Distinct Nostalgia is proud to bring you a series of exclusive interviews with some of the film's stars. Written by Ayub Khan Din and directed by Damien O'Donnell, the film takes us back to Salford in 1971 and touches upon some prominent issues of the time experienced by a typical mixed-race British household. Speaking to us in the first of three special interviews, Linda Bassett has been recalling her role as Ella Khan. She's been taking Ashley right back to the very beginning. Linda, thank you very much indeed for talking to Distinct Nostalgia. And the reason we wanted to talk to you uh, was, of course, because it's 21 years. Can you believe that? Since East is East hit the screens as a, as a film back in 1999. Why don't you start by telling us where it all began, how it all started? Um, when was the film first muted? Well, you see, it started a long story before the film because we did the play. I think I've got the dates right, that we were doing the play during 95 and 96. We toured it all over England. We came to Salford. It was a joint production with Tamasha, who was still going, and the uh, Royal Court Theatre and uh, Birmingham Repertory Theatre. And it was a joyous, joyous production. I, I think before I came on board, there were other workshops, but I attended a workshop run by Tamasha. Uh, with one set of actors, some of some of whom were the same, like Zita Sattar, and then oh, and Paul Baisley, and then we and then we went from the workshop to the to the actually rehearsed. Oh, we did a we did a reading, and then it was accepted, and then we did the play, um, and then we went on to do the play at the court, and also then later on at the um, Theatre Royal Stratford East. It had had a long rehearsal period you might say before the film was made um during 96 and then I think it must have been in 97 that we that the film was broached and not all of us were in it like Nadim wasn't playing George Ompuri got the part and Zita Sattar wasn't playing Mina and Paul Baisley wasn't playing Abdul so a, a different set of actors came in doing the film but those of us who had done both shows w- w- were kind of very prepared because we'd we'd been as I say we'd been living it and it was a, a joyous production by Tamasha and we were like a family but you know we'd been on the road for nine months we were completely bonded and it was it was a lovely I interviewed the the, the guys from the History Boys Oh yeah, similar, similar to them really, because they were doing that for two, two or three years before it became a film. Yes, and uh, you know they talked about they talked about the frustrations they found between having the freedom that you get in theatre and then the discipline that come with making the film. Do you mm-hmm. want to talk about that because it is different, isn't it? It's very different. I'm the, the, I mean, the biggest feature for us as actors was was losing so many of the cast because we were such a close family, as it were. So that was a big thing. Yeah, I, I had made a film before, so the, the shock filming wasn't so great for me, but this was the biggest um, one I'd done. We carried some of our riotousness into the film. 
but you can see it. It's got the spirit, hasn't it? We, so that sort of anarchy we brought to the film, I think, even within the discipline of filming. Yeah, in, in theatre, you have to play things so many octaves higher, don't you, in a way, in terms of the, you know, you sort of, because you're on stage, you've got to try and make the, the characters really, really stand out. Whereas in, in, in film, of course, it's very intimate, isn't it? You know, that's mm-hmm. the thing in terms of the camera. Yes. All that stuff. Yes, that's very different, of course. But a lot of, for Ella, for me personally, Ella was on the stage, had lots more to say because she and, and so did Annie, because we talked a lot of the exposition that then in the film became visual, of course. So we kind of lost our uh, repartee. We were, you know, we were like a double act. We got as much of it as we could, but, it, you know, it, that changed very much. And um, the, big, the, the play big starts with uh, a scene about Sajid's circumcision. And, of course, the film starts with Nazir's wedding. So that's all very... Oh, no, with the march. But, I mean, but Nazir's wedding, basically. We felt when... I mean, he had written a, a film script before he wrote the play, I believe. And when we were doing it, and all, um, all Ayub's stories, you always thought, oh, God, this could make... This could make a series. This could go on for 10 episodes. He's got so much material. Funny, tragic, difficult, it, it, you know, dramatic. All of that. What I, what I liked about it in particular, as somebody who'd grown up in um, the north of England, I grew up in mm. Yorkshire in the 1970s in the mining village, mining community, but also okay. knew the Pennines as well. Um, mm. You know, it was the authenticity of the 70s that I really liked more than anything, actually. I mean, the film itself was hilarious, fantastic story and all the rest of it. But it was the fact that, you know, you've got those space hoppers on it, in it and you've got, what's his yeah. name, with his, with his Parker coat. With his Parker. You know, yeah. and you sort of, it really took you back to the to that period, to the seventies, and you know yeah. you, you could really identify with it. And also, what was also interesting was that you know here was these um, you know these Asian communities in Manchester and in Yorkshire, you know Bradford and whatever, um, who for the first time, in a way, actually were being treated on film as part of Britain, who you know communities that had grown up in the in the UK, and that was refreshing, you know. Yes, it was. I mean, George, the com- thing about the communities, George, the character, w- wanted to move to Bradford because there he would have been with his community. There wasn't a big community in Salford. He felt isolated. But and that was Ella's. She wanted to stay in Salford because she was, that's where she was belonged. And she, so that was a tension between them that they didn't, and she won that one. Um, and the kids, so the kids, um, I don't know quite how to put it, but both see both Ella and George, if you don't mind me going on a bit, had were despised by their own communities. She was despised by her community for marrying a brown man, and he was despised by his community for marrying a white woman. So they both had that tension on them. They also then had the the opinion of the other community. He was, you know, it was it was as you'll remember in the seventies, it was a very racist time. They had that tension on them. The whole family did. But the kids are dual heritage. They're not an Asian family. They're, they're both. Because their skins are brown, the white community t- treats them as Asian. But actually, they're British. They are British. So you're, you're, you're right in saying that, that it was, a, as the film showed, a community of people who were, to all intents and purposes, British, 
and yet being treated as if they weren't. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's really interesting. And, and um, we'll talk a minute in a moment about the, you know, the, 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 the hilarity of it, the comedy that's in there. And there's some fantastic mm. bits, really, and the particular characters. But there was a serious undertone to it as well, wasn't there? Because beneath all this, your character was suffering domestic abuse, basically. That's what Absolutely. it was, on, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And that was a very dark undertone of the film, which didn't yeah. take away from the comedy. But you realise that this was there was a serious story being told here as well, wasn't there? Yes, I think these. I think the serious undertone of it was actually made the comedy. I mean, people have said, you know, why does the film stay popular? And I thought about. I think it's because it's written by a survivor. The spirit of those people in in the difficulties they were living through was enorm, you know, enormous. They made humour the way you do gallows humour out of being in a difficult life situation. And he, and he wrote it down. He'd written it down. I've been thinking a lot about, you know, why Ella didn't let, leave. Um, and I've been asked that before uh, and never given a proper answer, I don't think, about why she didn't go. And I've been, in, 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 in getting ready to talk to you, I was thinking, I've got to give a proper answer this time to why. So I've thought about it quite a lot. So forgive me if I go on about it. But there were no refuges. In 1970, there weren't any. The first one opened in Chiswick in 1971. So, you know, that's an enormous change. And needs, obviously, to be more. But she had nowhere safe to go to. Most of the fights, most of the... um, attacks he made on her were as a result of her trying to protect the children he was attacking the children to dis in his view discipline them but of course it was him having no control over his anger and you could talk you know you need to psychologists to talk about that but she also i think was trapped by her own culture because the her culture said you know if you've made your bed you lie on it Number one. Number two, they said it, it, it inside her, she was very proud, very strong. And in those days, she, it was not seen as a strong thing to ask for help. Now, now we're trying to change that, aren't we? By saying, no, it is a strong thing to ask for help. But it just wasn't. They, she'd lived through the war. They, they thought, the only strong thing was to put up with things and, and grit your teeth and get on with it and be tough. And she did all that and, and, and you know, and adored her kids. So I think she, there were, lots, there were all those reasons why she did. I think she was also protective of George because of the racism, the racist climate they lived in. And she was getting spat on in the street and called names and he was getting, so she didn't see him I mean, he was her attacker, but she didn't see him as a strong person. She saw him as a weak person who needed protection. So, you know, like a like a dangerous toddler. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, that, that's really interesting. That you, you should men- you, you mention those things. I mean, those scenes where the the, the violence came out. Yeah. You no, know, I mean, how? I mean, obviously, I know you've done it on, in the theatre, and you, you're doing it with a different actor in on yeah. film. But how did how did you both? cope and deal with that because they were oh. they seem very real to be honest that's a great question that's a great question because i was thinking about that today as well because om and i every day when we sort of get ready to go to film w- would have a sort of different flavor to it 
and we would sometimes we'd be flirting with each other a bit and sometimes we'd just be quietly friendly and on the day we filmed in the fish shop the the big attack scene um we didn't we didn't talk to each other we just kind of stayed away because i think we were both worried about it gearing up for it and couldn't quite communicate that day and it was extraordinary to film it because i decided as he, as he was attacking Emil, who played Meneer, I threw myself and put all my physical strength into trying to stop him. And I couldn't. And that, so that showed, I, I just, I, I'm not a weak person, I'm not a physically weak person, I just could not get him off. And I couldn't stop him. I mean, obviously, we, 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 the fight was arranged when he hit me, and and when he was, but when he had hold of Emil, I was trying to actually get him off, and I couldn't. You see, there's just some situations where a stronger physicality wins temporarily. Um, so it was, yeah, it was difficult. That it was a very difficult day, I think. And then we all hugged each other later. <laughs> we weren't doing. We weren't, we weren't really in that terrible situation. We were just That's acting. Cool. But it's important as an actor to try and get yourself into that situation, and it's very important to, to feel that you know you've done you've given that part justice, really. Yeah. As well as the the, the the domestic violence side of things, and the tensions between dad and the kids, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There was also you know an undercurrent of politics at the time between India and Pakistan that was playing out on the radio. Dad was reacting to that, and obviously that was something which those communities did have to deal with at that particular point. I thought that was interesting as well, because again, it, it was that real authenticity because he was, you know, he's frustrated about all that, wasn't he? He was angry about all that, you know, it was sort of, yeah. so that was another area I thought was interesting because there are a lot of people who will have watched that at the cinema who wouldn't understand the differences between the different communities in the Asian community, you know, Pakistani community, Indian community, the, 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 the challenges and the, the, you know, the, the clashes between them all, the kind of thing. So it was nice to get that in there, that bit of history, that historical context. Yes, it was. Yeah, I mean, I, I think <laughs> I was, I think I was let off learning quite a lot of that because I didn't, because Ella wasn't interested really. George would listen to endless, endless television or radio programs and then he'd go, oh, for God's sake, turn that bloody thing off. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> partly because he had a wife in Pakistan, she demonstrably showed her lack of interest in Pakistan. I mean, that was part of her pride, part of her, um, I'm not having anything to do with that. And also because, you know, he used to send money home. So they were working in the chip shop. Profits would go back to, to Pakistan. So she, you know, her, her relationship with Pakistan was not, <laughs> was not a friendly one, I would say. <laughs> now, the relationship between dad and the kids was obviously... Yeah the main part of this in a way because here was you know a traditionalist uh, from Pakistan and here were kids who had grown up with a dad from Pakistan but they were in England in a new world the 1970s lots of things were happening it was the pop culture all sorts of things were going on they had different yeah. challenges and that was a clash wasn't it there was a big clash between yeah. the modern world and his world you know I keep forgetting this but homosexuality comes out in this as well, doesn't it? Yep. One, of the, yep. one, of the, one of the sons has gone off and, you know, found a, a boyfriend and all the rest of it. So yep. 
there was lots of challenges there. And I mean, that is such a, for comedy, it's such a rich mix, isn't it? Because you've got, I mean, let's talk, let's, let's focus in on one, one or two things. The little boy and the circumcision mm. and his Parker coat and all the rest of it. Um, I mean, that character is fantastic. Tell us a bit about him. And, and uh, I presume he was played by different people, was he, at the theatre? He the... was. Imran, Imran Ali played him in the play and, and, and um, Jordan Routledge played him in the film and they were both wonderful. Um, absolutely wonderful. And, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful character because it's Ayub himself, as he said. So I'm the, I, there's not a problem with me saying that because he's told people that. And, you know, he's a distressed little boy. But that's what I mean about Ayub's comedy, you see. Here is this kid who shut himself up in a parka because his family life is so tense and so his dad's so scary that he can't face it. And it's made a joke. And the other kids, who I keep saying are as much Ella's as George's, they've got a lot of Ella's oomph and, and spirit as much as they have of George, you know, they tease him. They don't, they're merciless. The whole family is tough. They're not touchy-feely. They're more punchy-feely, you know. So they, there are tender moments, as there are indeed between George and Ella, but there are, so there are tender moments in the family, but mostly it's mockery, teasing, um, calling him twitch. I don't know if we did that in the film, actually, but in the in the play, you know, the other kids call him Twitch all the time. Well, you wouldn't do that now, would you? You know, they bully him, but he's also bullying. They're all like puppies, you know. They they're all fighting together and surviving together, and he's got these little disturbed ways of being that no one's helping him get out of. They're just waiting for it to stop. Which is again in the practical time at the time. Um, nowadays, you'd get help. You'd get help. Take him to a doctor. One, really of the, one of the best scenes, I think. Or there's loads of scenes that are fantastic. One of the best scenes is when mum and dad are in bed, mm. and, uh, and he he comes in to have a pee. I think it is or something, oh, and, and they have to stop uh, doing what they're doing. And um, and then he gets his, his his parker stuck in the door or something. I mean, it's beautifully, it's beautifully shot, isn't it? That bit with the moment where he's where he's the toggle of his parker gets stuck in the door. It's hilarious. Yes, I think it, I agree. It's a lovely, lovely scene. His whole dilemma is made funny. It's it's funny. It is funny. Absolutely, and and and, and obviously, you know, there's lots of little. Um, I've watched it so many, many, many times. My mum, my mum mm. loved it. My mum died uh, last year, but it's one, it was one of her favourite mm. films. And just little things like, um, I mean, I even say it now. George used to say when he had a cup of tea, half a cup, oh, just half a cup, yeah. half a cup. I do that now, bizarrely. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> lived on. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you know, and then mm. of course the, the you know the the boy and he, you know being called tickle tackle. He's tickle tackle. You know, he's lost his oh, tickle yeah. tackle. Mm-hmm. You know, all these little things mm. that came out in it. So, you know, it was, it was a lovely combination of, you're right, you know, there's tragedy and comedy. Well, out of all tragedy comes comedy, doesn't it, basically? That's the tendency. Mm. The, language, the language is great, isn't it? Because he's got, because George does, makes up his own language often. And, um, and then you've already got the rich sort of Salford humour. You've got all that mixed in together. It's, it, that makes a very rich and funny um, way of speaking, I think. 
Absolutely. And you've got all these other actors, great actors who played the, you know, the, 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 the family and you've got Chris mm. Bitton in there and Jimmy Mystery yeah. and people like that. And, but they, you know, they all seem, you know, I know there's new actors that came in for the different things, but you did seem even on, even you know, in the film, it just did seem as though there was a real chemistry between everybody. Oh, you definitely. You know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the script has that effect, you know, because everyone gets their moments. Everyone was very good. So it, yeah, it was. And, it, and it, you know, it has, there's lots of little surprises as you go along, isn't there? You know, there's obviously the whole thing of trying to arrange the marriages of the boys, which yeah. again is a, is, a, is a contrast, isn't it? I mean, your character, yeah. I'm sure, wouldn't have wanted them to have arranged marriages at all. No, but that's why he's doing it in secret. He's George is doing this in secret, but it, but that's all because of. I mean, you you were saying about how he's a traditionalist and wants the kids to conform, but he's partly like that because his own community don't respect him. So he's double. It's like he's desperate. It's not. He's not just being a traditionalist. That would be simple. It's much more complicated than that because they they don't respect him at all because he's married Ella. So he's desperately trying to claw back some sort of respectability by marrying off his sons. And she believes in the freedom of the individual. You know, she's just been through a war. She Not just, but, you know, she lived through it as a child. So she believes in freedom. She doesn't want her sons married off. Although when you say only just, it's, you know, I keep thinking to myself. I was born in 1972, and actually, mm. that's only it was only 20 odd years after the war had ended. Yeah. So it's not actually, you know, when we're talking about these time frames, you think about it today. If we said 20 years, 20 odd years ago, you think, oh, that's mm. quite close. And it was then, wasn't it? You weren't that far off that period. No, we still lived under. We still lived with all that culture of it in in very much in us. I think, and Ella certainly did. I think, yeah. Now, of course, it gets tense, but it also gets more and more hilarious doesn't it they take this trip yep. to uh, bradford bradistan as they called it and they they meet these beautiful girls supposedly <laughs> and and of course it all the, the climax comes with with chris bissom's character and his uh, his artwork that he's done how do you how do you play those scenes without not corpsing oh it was well with difficulty it, it gloria i mean it, what what a wonderful situation that was just heaven, really. And this is how they survived by, lie, you know, Ella lying to George consistently to, because she knows he's on an art course. George thinks he's doing an engineering course. But then it, when he reveals the artwork to her, she's appalled, not because of George, but by, by their own, you know, clean thinking. She thinks it's filthy, dirty, muck. And so, oh, that you know, it's what, what a glorious mix that is, and that it should end up in that snobbish woman's lap is just the best thing. And of course, that releases Ella to send them all packing. We'll be back after a quick break. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on it. It only takes structure, and, and you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah, know what I mean, so do. Do your homies uh got a role in your in your little? You know I mean, yeah, yeah, we all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying, oh, yeah, I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, me, me, we all artists, man. We go, you feel me? We gonna have this like 
Me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit right now. I got lie, we play with this shit right now for for. I got Don't play with it. Take that shit serious. And, and of course, again, it's reflective of the period because the 1970s, you know, we just come out of the 60s and for the younger mm-hmm. generations, it was about, to an extent, about sexual liberation and, and sort of yeah. demonstrating these things, wasn't it? And being open yeah. about it. You got the age <laughs> thing as well. The age, what I'm saying is you got the age class then as well, didn't you? Yeah. Definitely, yes. I mean, Chris Bisson's character, you know, uh, Celine, the, the art student, is, is um, very serious about his work. He thinks it's wonder- beautiful and it, I think he says it... Um, it's a demonstration of the exploitation of women in in art or something. He's got some very serious, but everybody else just sees what they see, you know. <laughs> the, the other thing, you, when we're talking to Leslie as part of this overall podcast, but the you know you say that you and uh, Leslie had a particular role in the in the in the in the theatre side of things. It yeah. does come over in the film. Though. I remember Good. the little scenes in there where you're having a little bit of a gossip and a cup of tea and a chat. Uh, particularly the one mm. where you're trying to work out about the little boy and his tickle tackle, and oh god, he, he, has, he has still got his tickle tackle kind of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, again, you know, there was real comedy between you know, you you two could have been a double act on your own in a way. Do you know what I mean? It was yeah. great. She, it was joy, a lovely relationship. I mean, and El, you know, Annie's not in that relationship with her husband. She, she's he's probably under the thumb. You know, Ella and Annie have are such a support mechanism for each other and particularly Annie for Ella because she knows George and she, she she does everything she can to help her and they've got the same sense of humor and they you know they just um oh, I don't know they yeah they I suppose they work together they work together in the chip shop they see life in a very similar way it, it's just that Annie's not quite on the same hook as Ella's on and George resents uh resents her doesn't he he resents her friend to an extent i think he just you know any man feels threatened by his wife's best friend doesn't he you know are they talking about me are they laughing at me and in this case yes they are they are laughing behind your back but she is telling any funny stories about you so yeah <laughs> it's a, he's got reason to feel a bit threatened by it As well as amazing TV and film nostalgia, this podcast is also home to an epic radio quiz, where listeners just like you go head-to-head on their favourite TV shows and films and put their general knowledge to the test. There's a bonus point if you can sing the theme tune, but I know you're not going to, are you? Skippy, 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 the bush kangaroo is all I can remember about. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that earns you a point. Yeah, I'll go for that. The fifth season of the Distinct Nostalgia Mind of the Month quiz is almost here, and it needs you. Prisoner cell block... Cell block B. Prisoner cell block H. Simply choose your favourite TV show or film and get in touch at distinctnostalgia.com. Have a go at three British films. Just have a guess. Oh, Whistle Down the Wind, Carry On Up the Khyber. Um, no, this is rubbish. I'm sorry. No, I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> they're not bad attempts, actually. And the two leading minds from across the month compete head-to-head in the final for a coveted Distinct Nostalgia mug. It's almost like a trophy. The Mind of the Month quiz. What kind of programme was The Smoking Room? Oh, I've never heard of it. I don't know oh. if I can accept that. Coming this autumn. That's another cracker, isn't it? They uh, always are. <laughs> Only here. New to distinct nostalgia. Dale, how the hell did I end up here?
based on a true story. What choice do you have? Tell the world that Rock Hudson is gay? You're a good-looking kid. I don't have anyone else on my books like you. How about I start to represent you? A moving 40-minute drama based on the life and career of Rock Hudson. Yes! Good boy. You just made the best decision of your life. Written by Tim Fountain and starring Michael Xavier and Betty Bourne. Rock! Rock? Strong. Masculine. Rock Fitzgerald? Not Fitzgerald. Sounds Irish. Nebraska, Washington, Hudson. Hudson. What about Rock Hudson? Get your coat on. I'm going to introduce Rock Hudson to Hollywood. Listen here on the Distinct Nostalgia podcast or go to distinctnostalgia.com. We got to do something about your voice, kid. We're going to snap your vocal cords. What? Ah. Uh, louder. Ah. Uh, louder. Uh. Rock. Winner of the BBC's first ever online audio drama award. Look, Dale. I'm dying of this godforsaken disease and pretty soon thousands, maybe millions, will die the same way. Now, the film came out in 1999 and mm. I remember it coming out. And um, But was it, was it an instant success? I think it was, wasn't it? It, was, it did really well quite quickly, didn't it? I think it... Oh, do you know, I don't know this side of it. I know when we, you know, when it opened and we all went to the thingy, it was people adored it. So in that sense, it was, yes. I don't remember how quick... No, I think it did very quickly get lots of people in. Yeah, I think it did, yeah. So what do you think it was that captured people's imagination? I mean, I say, mentioned the, the authenticity of it. People of a certain generation growing up would remember the 70s. You know, I was in my 20s at the time, but I remembered the 70s vividly as a boy. So it, it, yeah. it, there's that attachment there. I mean, there was also the link, you know, I love the opening thing with the, the band and Bannerman playing and all the rest of it. I mean, it's brilliant. Yeah. Conjures up, again, set the 1970s. What do you think it was that captured people's imaginations, do you think? I think it's the survivor spirit in it that appeals to people in living in real life situations is actually probably isn't as dark as it could be but it's still pretty dark and yet you see people coping with it and I think that's just quite oh I I, I don't know how to express it but I think people living in difficult situations if they see that situation portrayed they laugh at it they laugh. I, when I, I used to work in community theatre years ago in Leeds. Well, if you didn't laugh, you didn't laugh, you'd cry. Is the, the well, exactly. But, the, but seeing it portrayed allows you to laugh again. I mean, I remember doing a Punch and Judy show in a, in a, a women's hostel and the kids laughed and laughed and you, you, we knew what they were going through and they had found a release in watching it. So I can only assume that people found that with, with East Disease, that they found a release in it from, yeah. Now it was followed, it was followed up of course with West is West. Yes, which you many were, years later. Many mm. years later, which you were also in. Yeah. Um, but there wasn't many people carried over from the, from the East Disease, was there into that? I went to see it, but, but the two films were, were quite different, weren't they in a way? They were different. They had different directors, but also that they had different. I think I wrote it as to be very different. He wanted it to be different, I think. And we we made it quite a few years later. We were all substantially older, but it was a, as if it was just a few years after, because Sajib was only 
14 or 15 in West is West and he's 11 or 12 in East is East. So, you know, but of course it was a whole different boy, <laughs> um, young man. In fact, Jordan, who played the original Sajid, came to see us on the set when we were filming up there with, with his wife and his child. <laughs> it was amazing. What a day. There he turned up, this lovely young man. What did you feel about West is West? You're revisiting the characters. You know, how did you feel that went? It was good to do. Again, I felt some of Ella's story got a bit lost. So that's hard to talk about. And that Ella and Annie were kind of a good joke. But some of the, some of the stuff that happened with, between Sajid and Ella in Pakistan didn't, get, make it to the, didn't make it to the final film. And I was sad about that. But some of the spirit was still there, I thought. Some of the, I thought the spirit was still there. And there was some lovely new stuff, some new Sajid's story and, and Mania. Uh, uh, Mania's story and, and his wife and that was lovely or his new girlfriend rather It was nice to see the characters in a different setting and to see mm. you were you know in, in, in East East of course George was in foreign territory in a way from his original territory and you were when you went to Pakistan in, in, in foreign territory for you you know what I mean so yeah. uh, for your character so that was really that was really quite interesting and I thought they were, I thought just like East East it was filmed immaculately it's fantastic in terms of the yeah. You know the the, the the cameras, you know the camera camera shots and whatever, and and the character was great. But I think yeah. the thing that I thought probably felt about West is West was it just it didn't have the same comedy which no. East had, uh, which is fine because obviously there was a story, a serious storyline as we talked about. But it felt that felt a bit disappointing in that for me as a as somebody watching right. it. Do you understand? Yeah, I understand. Yes, and I yeah, I mean I. I sort of agree. I think it was more sentimental than East is East. But some of the lyricism was also lovely. And the relationship between Ella and, and Mrs Khan number one was, was interesting to, to, to pursue. That was interesting. Yeah, um, no, definitely. That was very, very interesting. I mean, it's, mm. both films, you know, East is East is fantastic. But I'd still recommend people watch West is West because I think it, you know, it does give you a, a, a bit more depth into those into the main characters and what the characters in East and East uh, are all about. This is an inevitable question I often ask on these, uh, these programmes. Um, did East is East um, change your life? Oh, gosh. Um, well, in many ways it did, yes. Um, doing, the, doing the play changed my life quite a bit because I made some lifelong friends. Um, doing the film gave me a sort of a lift up career-wise, but... It wasn't one that lasted because a lot of what I was offered on the, on the strength of East is East were women getting beaten up, and I wasn't. I didn't want to do that. Isn't it, isn't it crazy how the how you know the, the acting world or the directing world or whoever it is, you know, tends. To, I've had so many of these conversations with so many actors where they you know they end up getting typecast. I mean, it's ridiculous, really, mm. in a way, because. You know, there's nothing to say that somebody who can do something so brilliantly like you did in that film can't do something else brilliantly. Well, you know, indeed. It's really, like really quite irritating, isn't it? I think the other thing is with women as well, probably to an extent, it doesn't happen as much with men, but women get typecast even more, don't they? Around age and all sorts of different things. I think they do. And it, it, it depends on what, what's being written, I think. I think it just depends on what's being 
written and because now we're getting more female writers and you get more female characters that aren't just you know on the side sort of thing so th this is all good I, I think you get typecast just because of because you know we work in an industry it's an industry and people don't want to take risks and and it's funny because whenever they do i mean put doing doing um east is east was a risk whenever they do take a risk it it often you know soars off into success if they hear a new voice you know which i was a new voice and um and michaela coles on the telly at the moment she's a she's a new voice she's wonderful so when they take a risk with someone, it pays off, but at the same time, they don't want to. So they think, oh, well, I know that actor can do that, so we'll have them do that, and that actor can do that, so we'll have them do that. And they make a little safe package, and it's, it's well, it's boring. You're absolutely right, absolutely right. And, and, and East Disease, as you say, was um, taking risks at that particular point. And, yeah. um, you know, I wonder to an extent whether or not it would be made now. Because, you know, I wonder if, in a way, the sort of, what was nice about East East, it was fresh, it was from somebody's individual experiences and everything. But I wonder whether we've, whether again, the climate has changed again, and whether or not you're able to tackle things in the same way. I don't know, it's a, I think everyone's walking on eggshells these days, that's the thing. I think, I think that's true. I don't think it would get made today because the language is offensive. To, to everybody really <laughs> you know it offends everybody as comedy often does it has no it's it's shameless and that's good to be shameless in comedy if if your intention is not racist or sexist or homophobic if, if that's not your intention then then the comedy but the language he uses is the true language of the time and it's all it's racist it's sexist it's homophobic it's so it, 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 it that's the language but it's not his intention he's not trying to put people down for their sexuality or put people down for their color of their skin of course he isn't he's yeah. celebrating people Absolutely, and, and and you know, and we have to. We can't. You can't sanitize everything, can you? You know what I mean. That's the. That's my worry with comedy. That it's going to be so so, so sanitized. There'll be nothing nothing to laugh at at all. You know. But I don't think. Hopefully, com comics won't let that happen because they they'll burst through. I think they won't let it happen. Now, one of the things one of the things you touched on was that you uh, uh, knew in terms of. I know you've been around doing lots of things before. Well, you were new in terms of a certain a certain audience, as it were, and actually, all the actors in that film were, to an extent, fairly new, weren't they? They were, yeah. there were one or two who uh, there was a guy who, who used to play Jim in EastEnders, sort of John Barton, Luke Barton, who'd been around a long time. Yeah, yeah. He made a little appearance in there, didn't he? Um, but people like that. But generally, a lot of them were completely new characters, and that's quite unique for a film, even in the last 25, 30 years, actually, because most films tend to be made with uh, actors who are known, aren't they? That's true. Yeah, that was a risk, wasn't it, by taking on board people who weren't known? That's true. Well, of course, he, he, we had Om, who was a star. I mean, he might not have been quite so well-known over here, but he was a complete star in India. Uh, he, when, we, when we filmed the scenes in um, Southall, he couldn't walk down the street without, with people rushing out of their shops, giving him presents. Bless him. You know, he, he, he was... 
it was like take, walking in with Robert De Niro. So um, he, he was the star. I, I was unknown. Yeah, the kids were unknown, but I think they often allow the young people to be unknown, don't they? Ayubad had said to me when we were doing the play, if this ever comes to a film, I promise that you'll play Ella. And he honoured that, uh, you know, against the odds, because there's many actors who could have done it. And I, I'm, I've always been grateful for that, that he let me do it. And, and, all, and all the cast have gone on to interesting things, you know. Um, yep. I was Chris Bisson went into Coronation Street and has been Emmerdale ever since and all the rest of it. And Leslie's done things that she's over in America now, isn't she doing things? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. She's and, been, and Downton Abbey and all. Yeah. So they've all, everyone's gone in different directions, haven't they? So it's, it's mm. quite fascinating. Uh, apart from the guy, the lad who played the little boy, he didn't carry on in acting, did he? he, he I don't think he did, no, Jordan, no. I think he became an accountant or something, Bradford. Oh, right. Well, yeah, maybe, because he came from Dewsbury. My final question to you is, I mean, it, it still gets shown now quite a lot. It's, on, it's often shown on the TV. Um, yeah. People still love it. What's been overall the reaction to it? Do you still get people contacting you? What was the, the initial reaction? You know, did, and is there a different reaction from people in the in the Asian community to the white community? What you know, what what reaction have you had from it? Um, I see. I remember some of the reactions from some of. I mean, it's, you know, it's, you don't want to generalise, but I remember some of people in the Asian community didn't like it because they felt that I was attacking his own culture. You know, sort of internalising the racism, the way that can happen. And that therefore it was playing into the hands of racists. And, I, you know, I don't know whether that has happened. I don't know whether people who want to put down Asian people love watching it because certain words are used. Possibly. That's on their consciences. But all I know is I was writing an honest piece from his own honest, real experience. And that's, you know, some of the more wild things that happen in it are the truest, as is so often true in, in um, art. Some of the, the, the most unlikely things are things that are real. I don't, I don't know, really. I, I don't think I can really comment on that. Okay. I, I've only, perhaps that's because people have only ever told me how much they like it. Yeah, of course. Uh, do you think, uh, obviously it's 21 years ago, Glad there's been a few things that have depicted Asian communities around the UK since then. Not a huge amount, though, to be fair. Uh, a few comedies, you know, different things. Goodness gracious me, and you've got the odd uh, Asian characters in the soaps and things like that. But not a massive amount. When I think about the Pennines in particular, which is an area not far from where I live now, and, um, you know, I used to live, in, say, in Yorkshire. So between Manchester and Yorkshire, there's a whole swathe of the, of the country which is you know, mm. where um, people, generations of Asian people have grown up. Yet mm. I feel as though we don't actually know a great deal about them in a way and about their culture still. And, mm. and when I say culture, I don't mean the culture that um, dad had in East East. I mean, I mean their culture now. And yeah. I think that's sad, isn't it? You know, it's like, it's like when you think suddenly we got a program called Derry Girls about Northern Ireland. Everyone's thinking, oh my God, it's Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland on the TV. Derry Girls, another survivors, yeah. you know, a difficult, dangerous situation, but it's hilarious. It's a, there's, a, there's something in that. I, we, we just need the writer. We, you know, in those communities that you're talking about, we need some writers to emerge because the, they're the ones, they're, it's the poets. You know, it's the poets who put the words on the page. 
or on the screen if they're <laughs> um, that are the at the root of these things. You can't you can't sort of manufacture it from the outside and say, oh, I know, let's have a... I mean, you know, the Chinese community here has never really had a voice. And yet I'm sure there are talented people in there who, who need the, you know, who one day will get that. So, Absolutely. And I've, to be fair, as a, running a production company, I've put various ideas forward on the Chinese one, actually, a few times. Um, and unfortunately, they get rejected. So, as well as having the writers, we also need more enlightened commissioners. We do. Podcast. My experience of of coming up with ideas and, and those linked to the various uh, different diverse communities is that the media tends to it will it will entertain um, certain people, but only certain people. So, what you mm, tend to only one at a time. <laughs> yeah, you tend to get the same voices over and over again, and the same people and you think to yourself well there's a whole plethora of great actors and presenters and people all over the place here let yeah. dig a bit deeper but having said that that's the same actually to an extent with with with, with white people as well they tend to go like we we're talking about earlier on about risks they tend to go with what they trust and what they know and yeah. all the rest of it you know um but you know when they created coronation street in 1960 they were taking a risk weren't they for god's sake they absolutely yeah. were because working class people weren't supposed to be on the screen at all Exactly, exactly. Linda, it's been lovely to talk to you. Really, really nice. And uh, I better go because I've got to prepare myself for Leslie. <laughs> Bye. Distinct Nostalgia is produced by MIM. And our celebration of Easter's East at 21 continues next time as we speak to Leslie Nicholl about her role as Auntie Annie. Oh, frig off and wash your bastard curtains, you dirty cow. And I swear to God, that's one of the best lines I've ever had to say in my life. Do you want a cup of tea? I'll have half a cup. And that caught on. Yeah, that became a kind of catchphrase, I think. I don't know where he got that from, but that lovely mixture, which you hear now, don't you? You hear that kind of Asian-Northern mix, and it's great. It's more Northern than Asian. That's Leslie Nicholl, coming soon to Distinct Nostalgia. Subscribe to this podcast to be notified as soon as our next programme becomes available or visit distinctnostalgia.com. Thanks for listening, and catch you next time. Distinct Nostalgia is brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. We've lots of activities for you to do at home at liferooms.org. Staying well, staying home.